0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Elixir Mix. I am hosting today with uh, Adi Iyengar. Adi, welcome. Hello, hello. So Adi brought up a very interesting topic. He is basically the hiring guy in Elixir. So if you need a job in Elixir, go out and find Adi. He seems to know who's hiring all the time. Uh, Adi, you wanted to talk more about yeah about the hiring uh, process, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, specifically like the interview preparation. Last few weeks, I've been helping out quite a few people from some friends and some people have reached out to the podcast and other platforms and it seems like you know a lot of things that might be obvious to Alan you, and me and some other sort of more experienced job hunt wasn't as obvious to others and also the job market has changed quite a bit in the last even last year and a half you know so yeah I want to like talk through the intricacies of like applying especially if you're looking at the Elixir area and like what things to consider if you have like at a place where you have some theater and in belt and you are looking to change job like what you need to prepare before you start interviewing like what to expect <laughs>
2: and also yeah what kind of companies to apply to right yeah hey folks this is charles maxwood from top end devs and lately i've been working on actually building out top end devs if you're interested you can go to That's December 14th. If you sign up before my birthday, you can get 50% off the lifetime of your subscription. Once again, that's topendevs.com.
0: Well, I think the expectations on applicants have also changed quite a bit too. I think before it's like, well, if you have interest in learning, we'll accept you. But I think now people are starting to change where it's like, well, interest, but also you need some, I think maybe the lowest level would be you need to at least crack open a book and have gone through the whole thing. Right, I don't know if they're actually looking for a production experience or not.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. You're right. Like my wife just transitioned to being a software engineer within a month. She was a dental hygienist, hadn't wrote a lot of code before that. Did a quarter of a boot camp, and she got a pretty good job. And now she, and it's been like a year now since she since she's been coding, and she makes more than what I made after four years of coding. So yeah, definitely, it's more accessible, and there's like more. Companies, especially like in the startup, um, low, less tech heavy startups, right? That choose like languages like Ruby on Rails and Elixir because they're more productive. Like those kind of companies tend to give people a chance, not even without Elixir experience, just without any coding experience, period. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I guess it depends on the company too, right? So, like, I mean, the thing is, I found that some people have what, I just remember like Dilbert, remember the Dilbert cartoon? A while back? No? Okay. Nope. So there was an episode called The Knack where it's like, you know, have the expression, like if you have a knack for something. So it's like some people, that have like a natural ability to program. But I found that it's basically like STEM people, like people who are really into science, physics, math. They have the ability to reason. So high logic and like they can easily start coding. But yeah, there's very few people I think that can code like out of the box. Or I'm going to say out of the box. It sounds a little bit weird. Maybe out of the gate, I guess I can say the word. Yeah, um, very few. Yeah. But even if you, like, even if you learn, right? Just depends on, on you. Some people have to struggle harder. But yeah, like I was mm-hmm. accepting people who, who have never, have never coded before, but have like an interest. Uh, at the time it was the right thing to do because it's hard to find decent people. Now I can be a little more selective because like I've learned my lesson that sometimes beginners, some beginners are just too beginner, right? The other thing I found too is, and I, brought this up a couple times in previous episodes is that Elixir is not easy. Like now I'm not talking about OTP, that's like, let's forget about OTP, like immutable data, all this kind of stuff. If you start off doing JavaScript or Java where you have like mutability is a huge part of it. It's so difficult to change somebody's mindset and some people are so wrapped up in a specific language that they can never branch out. Yeah, totally. Totally. It,
1: I mean, Elixir. Yeah. It, I have subscribed to the notion that it's an easy language to kind of like, you know, start doing simple stuff in but as you complicate things like yeah functional programming can get really hard like yeah one the other day i was trying to do one of the binary tree algorithms in elixir i was having a hard time i've been doing elixir for like seven years now you know almost and i was having a hard time doing that in elixir i mean it was a tough problem granted but like doing something with a combination of reduce and maps <laughs> right is a lot harder because, yeah, the state, the scope as well. You're, you're not able to access variables outside that, that of scope, edit variables within a scope. You know, it, 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 Those things start getting really hard with Elixir.
0: Also, like a lot of concepts don't really transfer over. Like, so one of my employees is actually rewriting a Python, Python's, Python functions over to Elixir. And one of the functions that we have is a while loop. And he's like, well, how do I transfer a while loop over? It's like, well, there's no kind of looping. And it's like a while true thing. It's like, it's like basically you keep trying to hit this API and after five times, then then it doesn't work. Right. So it's like, well, I also had to think for a moment, I'm like, hmm, how would I do that? Recursion. Yeah, recursion. Yeah. So, or I told him to try, actually, the first thing that came to my mind was like, there's like an, an, an enum uh, reduce while. I think that one is also could work. Yeah. Because you can stop reducing. Right. So that's one way or yeah, or recursion. But I think recursion is a little bit hard to explain to somebody who's not really used to it because he, he, he's, right. he's got much more experience in Python. So it's like, well, you know, recursion in, in most other languages, they don't have they don't have the, uh, the what do you call that? The, the tail? Multifunk? No, I mean, the tail oh, recursion. This, the multifunk, yeah, is one thing. But I think the tail recursion, it's like, well, I don't want to his, do recursion because I can yeah. I can have a stack overflow, right? Right.
1: I mean, you could have that in Elixir, too. Right, it'll just like crash. Yeah, it's possible. But, but, but yeah, I, I think the stuff that makes recursion very accessible, at least in Elixir, is the multi class function, right? That's like, like oh, while true, instead of while true, it'll just have two function
0: clauses, one with true and one with else, right? yeah that's that's another thing but sorry we're, i think we're getting sidetracked with stuff <laughs> but but yeah yeah so so yeah I, like like we said uh my again also my interpretation is i just want to kind of go back to the same thing before right it's no longer that you have an interest now it's like what is the the, the minimum that you would say right now like if you want to get a lecture job that you would say you need like is it that you just need to actually have gone through at least one book or like how would you kind of measure that
1: that's a great question It really varies there's over the last few weeks, I've seen companies that are okay with zero Elixir experience, but uh, like a proven record of you having interest. Like you said, you know, like, uh, my wife got an Elixir job a couple of weeks ago and she, she, she had done it down because her company really outmatched that, but she basically just showed them an Elixir actually wrote. The interview had no coding. She just talked through it, it was a very simple, sim- very simple site project live view will probably never be able to run in production, not optimized at all. But the fact that she has this mentorship co- group that she goes to every Thursday that's for elixir and the fact that she's been she has a way to prove that she's interested in elixir and has a year of real experience which is kind of somewhat close right was enough for her to get a I think a pretty good job like it was a pretty good a pretty good salary I think more more than most what most engineers would make at this point so yeah but but then on the other side i I have the best engineer I know I think he's the, he's literally the best engineer I know his name is Alex sure. children. Uh, he's been on the podcast once he started his own company and came and, uh, talked about that. But he, I think, uh, I, th- I think he joined, uh, he ended up joining Stepsy finally. And, but I think he was asked some pretty hard questions in some, some of his interviews, like uh, weird Erlang types, which I don't know about either, you know, like, uh, like how are certain types implemented in the, uh, underneath the surface and stuff like that. And I was very surprised. And the difference in salaries weren't much. It wasn't like maybe like 30%, 40% difference, you know? And that was, that, that's what was surprising to me, you know? Like it really depends on the company. If a company is at a place where they're hiring very, very early season engineers, they probably go for senior engineers, might have more experience. But if a company is at a place where engineering is relatively stable, they're still startup y, still. Okay, to take a risk, you know, a punt on a junior engineer, also want to diversify more. Senior engineers want to, you know, are craving mentorship opportunities. Those kind of companies might be okay bringing in someone with a lot of interest and potential uh, if they view one.
0: That's interesting about the people wanting to know the types and stuff. I guess it depends on what they're looking for i've had just a generic interview i think i talked about in the past where like the guy was an academic and he's like you don't know what is uh i don't remember like because like you and i are used to I think most people are always used to, like, arrays or lists, integers, floats, et cetera, like these kind of types. But he was like, you don't know about... And then, like, apparently there's, like, a whole other set of types that you would know if you're, like, a compiler creator or, like, something like that. It's like, you know, like, like map trees and, and, and like, the stuff that actually runs a hash table or whatever. Like, he was like, you don't know these things. I'm like, this job is for... Writing like like a like a backend for APIs like is this is not academic stuff so like right the only way I actually the funny thing is I, I the only way I made him like me is that when I went back to him and I was like you don't know what a WebSocket is do you oh you don't well, what are you an amateur and then like I started fighting with the guy and then like I got respect but so like maybe wow. yeah it's kind of weird but I think that's actually how academic works is like they they need like this debate and depending upon that kind of person. Sometimes the debate has to be heated and then so like they need you know, you need to kinda stand your ground a little bit. So yeah, like like I said, it depends like you said, it depends on on the company. That was the first time I've ever had a situation where like they asked me stuff and I had no idea because yeah, I'm just not exposed to it. And that I think interview is a good example of like not a good interview from the interviewer side because like they had expectations that right. were not realistic to the position that they were hiring for, which I think is what your you said your wife went through, right? It's like, "Well, I guess it depends on your interest, right? But do you really need to know that kind of detail?" I don't know, it depends on like you you need to know a list is actually like a single linked list because that's super important, but like how that thing is implemented like down to like the c code I think is maybe too much unless you're doing some high performance stuff
1: yeah i mean i mean i i don't i don't even know if most elixir jobs you need to know it's a singly linked list either you know I, I think that's where i think I think that's the world we live in right now the software engineering majority of software engineering interviews aren't you know really qualifying persons for the job they'll been doing it is just. Finding, it, it doesn't, it might seem arbitrary to us, but I think it's like basically in someone's problem solving ability as a side, as like an added bonus, but primarily it's like filter candidates. Like give them something hard. Let's find someone who, is good at something like it feels very it it, that part feels more arbitrary like i mean you said that's one interview you had no clue i I have when my first job i was looking for i had a three hour long interview at google they asked me to implement basically what it was like a, a traveling salesman algorithm modified for when the nodes are moving certain set of nodes are moving they asked me to implement that real time like a three hour long interview i was I obviously couldn't do it, and they actually said at the end they were expecting an answer. They weren't—they weren't expect just—they were not just seeing me looking at my th- thought process, which is what I thought there would be. I thought it'd be unreasonable for them to expect it. Like, no, we actually were expecting an answer. We've had a couple who gave us an answer. Like, I don't know who you're hiring, who you're looking for, but yeah, I think that's the world we live in. A lot of these companies ask these kind of questions, which is yeah it it it's
0: it's sad yeah but again it depends on the position you're hiring for right i mean and also like what is your so kind of like a good question is, yeah, i guess what is the position you're hiring for, and then what's realistic based on the market too right because no matter what, you have to train people up and every product's going to be different. Everybody's right. got different coding styles and different preferences, et cetera. And also the other thing too, to think about also is like, well, what you think is good for one project may not fit for another pending the domain and the people around you. I think we remember we had an episode in the past about like, hey, if your team is already proficient in tech or language X, choosing Elixir may not make sense because of that reason so maybe it's kind of a similar thing
1: yeah yeah definitely i I, I think it's definitely perception comfort how things are already structured yeah it has it has a huge huge effect i think one of the reasons why i've been i'm seeing a lot of these interviews lately with my circle is that a lot i'm uh all these companies that they're interviewing at are bigger more established companies right Uh, where the same circle of people most of them would apply to like more startups right And yeah, those kind of companies do have a set process, set expectations, and maybe they're also companies that need to focus more on data structures algorithms, even though they are using Elixir or Ruby, where it really doesn't matter, (laughs) you know? But yeah, maybe it's it's part of the culture there. Actually, that's a good segue to another point I, I've been wanting to bring, which is, again, it's obvious to me, but I think in this market, if people listening, if you're looking for a job change, definitely prefer a non-startup, right? Offers are being rescinded. People have been, are getting laid off a week, two weeks after they're joining. Yeah, I mean, even the best of the companies are laying, uh, startups are laying people off. So if you are looking for changing a job, definitely go for a bigger company. There is absolutely no harm in, applying to a startup and thinking of them as a backup i have done hiring for five companies now and every company without exception had backup candidates oh let's keep this person and I, I like this guy we'll give him we'll give him an offer after we interview this guy right companies can have backups you can have companies as backups too. like there's no harm in a company that you're like ah let a fall back if i don't get a job at these companies let me just have their offer and get a two week offer, you know, response time. Um, and you can say, I have to talk to my family, I have stuff going on, give me two weeks. Two weeks is a reasonable thing to ask. Uh, generally, these startups, they're like getting smart and they say, hey, respond in three or four days. say three or four days is too quick, can I get two weeks? There's, trust me, you can ask that. I haven't had it till now where a startup has come back and said that's too long. Two weeks is very reasonable. Ask for two weeks and try to get, try to get a job at a better company and have, have hierarchy, man. Have hierarchy. Every time I've been in a job process, I've had two or three backup. You know, and it, it's good to have that. Not enough candidates are doing that. That's why it feels like we'd have a higher, you know, upper upper hand in this job uh, hiring process.
0: Yeah, this is tricky. Uh, this is kind of a side question based on your understanding. Do you feel that it's a I want to say buyer's market, but is it a candidate market or is it an employee employer market?
1: Uh, that's a tough one right uh, if, if you are experienced and i think kind of what you said earlier alan like in, it kind of imply if you're experienced it is a candidate market if you are new or like so like i would say if you have like less than like three four years of experience it's, it is still the it is still the buyer's market the company's market right so yeah it's tricky good thing about elixir is if every recruiter i talk to the supply is still a lot less than the demand right so if you are doing elixir yep. Experience, knowledge, interest in Elixir. Keep building that. You will end up getting a job. Um, I, I tell these two, some other, uh, other uh, mentees who are looking for jobs. You apply for 20 Elixir positions. If you do things right, like just, you'll get at least one, right? For one job. It, again, it might sound a lot, but... You know, job process is a lot more than your skills. It's about timing. It's about uh, company feeling, oh, we thought we could hire this person, but we can't. You know, there's so many variables that go into it. That's why I should apply to 20 companies, even if you're a good engineer. But if you apply to 20, it looks like a job, you should get, yeah.
0: But if the demand is really high and supply is low, I mean, it seems hard for me to understand why, why is it that, you shouldn't get right. say at least half, right? Or are you, are you saying that like electric developers, like their how do you say that their soft skills are not good enough? Because <laughs> yeah. like that thing, like you and I have both met people. Where it's like this guy is excellent yeah. technically, but he cannot socially fit in here.
1: Or maybe imposter syndrome. They just can't sell themselves. You know, people don't like talking about themselves. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, few of the best engineers I know have that and they have a hard time filling themselves out of that. But yeah, I, I think it's also, I think these days it's so easy to apply to jobs. People who actually know how this works, they apply to a lot of jobs, right? And that's why companies get a false sense. Oh, we have 25 candidates. But they don't think that 25 candidates also apply to 25 jobs, right? So I think it's that cycle, you know, <laughs> uh, where smart candidates who apply to hundreds of job, they do take up, you know, that place in the queue of candidates uh, that the companies have, which slows down the process. And, you know, if, if if a month or two has passed since you apply, things kind of like, you know, refresh, a lot of things change. So, but yeah, I think that's a big, big factor as well. The competition is there, even though the demand is higher in supply. But it still feels like you're competing with other people who might
0: might as well end up taking some of the jobs, you know? Yeah, true. Okay, actually, uh, kind of going back to my first question, did we actually yeah, we didn't actually really address it about like, what do you think that like if I want to get a job in an Elixir, kind of like what kind of how much soft skill or not soft skill, how much hard skill should I know? Right.
1: Yeah, hard skills are an issue just like electric
0: coding, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess, like, I don't even know what's a good way to measure it. Like, maybe I want to leave that part open. But, of course, one way for me to measure is, like, do I need to know everything about OTP or I don't know how, how to even say it?
1: Yeah, I haven't had people ask
0: a lot of OTP questions
1: unless you're applying to a company that heavily uses it, which is a good sign, right? Like, if it, unless you're applying to, I don't know, a community that uses a lot of OTP or Watch the, I forget where the adopting Elixir guy is working, but it, it, unless you use, they're using it very heavily, they don't ask that. It's generally extended of OTB people ask is like, can you, do you know how a gen server works? Like, can you like build a, a very small gen server, client server separation and know how to test it? Right. Pretty simple. Uh, the simplest one that was asked was write a gen server that it, its job is to pull data from a weather API and um, store it somewhere. Yeah. I think, I think they end up storing it in a file. So that's a pretty simple Gen server. Nothing crazy about OTP supervision trees. Yeah, nothing crazy. But yeah, I think I think one good thing with elixir is that not you won't have a lot of algorithmic questions. You're not going to have a binary take three question for an elixir job position. It's very, it, it just doesn't go, those two things don't go well, right? Like if, if you're a place where complexity matters so much, you'll probably end up using Rust or something very low level, right? Anyway, or C or something like that. So uh, elixir positions, I don't think it's going to matter much the complexity and data structures. So they generally will ask like an API call question, right? Like 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 can mention the weather API, maybe like string manipulation questions are pretty hot, <laughs> right uh it's string and integer manipulation one that was asked was given an integer get the next palindrome integer next largest palindrome integer pretty simple didn't look sir so stuff like that
0: oh wow i don't even know what that word even means palindrome integer i hate these yeah. kinds of questions Just so
1: a palindrome again uh if you reverse it it's the same right so as in uh, so like if if, if, I, if i give you 100 the answer should be 101 the next largest palindrome if you, if i gave you 1, one, it'll be 111 right
0: okay All right. That's not too difficult, but okay, pal and me. I already flip it around.
2: Okay. Hi, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately I've been coaching some people on starting some podcasts and in some cases, just taking their career to the next level. You know, whether you're beginner going to intermediate intermediate going to advanced, whether you're trying to get noticed in the community or go freelance, I've been helping these folks figure out how to get in front of people, how to build relationships and how to build their careers and max out. And, and just go to the next level. So if you're interested in talking to me and having me help you go to the next level, go to topendevs.com coaching. I will give you a one hour free session where we can figure out what you're trying to do, where you're trying to go and figure out what the next steps are. And then from there, we can figure out how to get you to the place you want to go. So once again, that's topendevs.com slash coaching.
1: Yeah, questions like that, like string manipulation, basic integer manipulation, nothing like you know where complexity analysis matters, space or space or time. So that's like one advantage you have with Elixir. questions will be like more doable, <laughs> at least you know with like a normal mind without having a computer science degree and like without having a lot of uh, algorithmic background. Yeah, so uh, yes, as far as hard skills go, just do exorcisms. Do your uh, don't do don't worry about those lead code like problems for Elixir jobs. Do exorcisms and code wars and like basic elixir stuff and uh just just keep writing like have have a couple side projects to show that you're proud of you know add tests to that try to try to maintain that try to deploy them like have a couple projects that you're always handy that you can talk about have a story ready why you built that project what, what two or three problems you ran into that project right how you solved those? like what was the research process process to solve this, solve that or what, what was the thought process to solve those problems like have some monitoring logging in your side projects just Work on those side projects, keep doing exorcisms. X- so you're like ready for like short questions, you know, just take a different frame of mind to do interview questions and actually code. So. Just keep doing taxism so you're in that frame of mind. But yeah, as long as you do these things, you should be good. And like I said, if you apply 20 jobs, you interview at five, you should
0: be able to get one. Um, Actually, here's a kind of a good question, right? So if you got these side projects, let's just say like you're not doing freelancing, but you're just kind of just doing projects to kind of keep your skills up. How do we say this? The tricky part is what if you're doing those projects, but you're doing a bad job of them because you don't have the proper guidance, right? I don't know. Do you have any kind of like feedback on that? I mean... (laughs) Have you ever gotten where it's like, yeah, somebody like gave you the stuff and you're like, wow, this is just not idiomatic Elixir?
1: It's happened to me, but I think that's where I think having a mentor is important. Having someone to guide you is important. And there's not a lack of mentors in the Elixir community. Just reach out to people who do Elixir. Reach out to Alan, (laughs) reach out to me. People are very open to help and like, you know, just, I love looking at code. So like, if, if you have any code you want to be evaluated, so if you shoot that my way and I can give you suggestions, but it's important to look at open source projects when it comes to that, right? If you do, if you, if you want to evaluate what you're doing is good or not, like look at awesome Elixir as a repo on GitHub. They have a bunch of examples, packages and even open source app of how to do what, right? I have a lot of open source Elixir uh, uh, projects. I have like, in at least 25 Alexa projects, like look through those, I try to write 100% tests for all my apps. So I look through other people's open source code and compare it and learn from that. Right, that's also a good place to start.
0: Let's not get into the whole test coverage situation again. Right, that's a long discussion. But I also do try try to strive for that uh, 100% too. Except for you know, I have to ignore a lot of files because of like. You get all those extra files generated, and some files you don't really need to test. That's the
1: way to go. That's the way to go.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, there's, there's, uh, it's interesting to hear about what's kind of changed, right? It's, and it's good to hear that like now there's more expectations on the, uh, candidate side because that's, yeah, that's something that's there. And, but I think that if the candidate is applying for, for, for the position because they want to do Elixir, in my opinion, and I think, Well, I haven't had that situation here because the market in Hong Kong is so small. I would think that if they are interested to do Elixir, they're going to be a better candidate than somebody who's just interested to get a job. Well, 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 that's obvious, but like, how do I say this? If they're applying to a company because of Elixir, they're going to be a better Elixir developer because they're just that much more interested.
1: Yeah, for sure. The the person we hired as our second engineer in my company did not have have Elixir experience. I don't think even particularly had Elixir, as much Elixir interest. I think he just had interest to work with me. And when I told him about Elixir, he that interest, you know, amplified. He's a brilliant engineer now. He only has like a total of like a less than two years of experience, and he's he's pretty good. So, uh, yeah, there's definitely truth to what you're saying. But but it, it, it there, are, there are lesser companies than if they, if they were two years ago who are willing to hire people who are in that category. But if you find one, I mean, luck is such a big factor. It's something to admit. I don't know, Alan, if you agree. I think luck is the biggest factor in job search, timing, luck. And it's just, uh, yeah, it, it's pretty hilarious. Again, my wife, we, we were just talking about the fact that she has just there. She's barely coded in Elixir. She's coded like a total of 15 hours in Elixir all her life. And she got a, she got a pretty awesome Elixir job offer with uh, 130 plus K a year, barely doing nothing. It's, she just was, her timing of applying was right. And, you know, her, her interviews kind of suited her, you know, there's no behavioral explaining code. Live coding is where she gets flustered. So it, it's, it's, I think luck is the biggest factor in job search. So. Yeah, the more opportunities, the more places you apply to, more opportunities you create for yourself, that's how you minimize the luck factor for you, right? So that's the only thing you have in your hands. And prepare, like I said, with Elixir, it's pretty straightforward. No algorithms, n- no BS, do exorcisms, and keep maintaining one of the side projects, right? Just, you should get a job in Elixir. So demand is pretty high, supply is really low, and there's so many companies hiring You know. And then when we do text, I'll, I'll list to you and um, hopefully they are going to show up as
0: well. Well, I think the another big uh, thing, too, is, like, to be honest, I think the most surprising part about any job is that they have to like you, right? And they have to be able to communicate with you. Um, oh, that's so right. Like I mentioned, well, I mean, like I mentioned before, like, doesn't matter how good that, that developer is technically, if you cannot communicate, if you cannot if you come off as a, as a weirdo, sorry to say it directly, but uh, I was actually interviewing somebody recently. And, like, first of all, the guy's name is LeBron James. He had a very thick accent. I think he's from Korea, but he says his real name is LeBron James. So wow. I have a hard time to believe that. I just gave him the benefit of that. I was like, okay, this is weird, but maybe just maybe he got his name legally changed. I don't know. I'm not going to worry too much about that. But I was just asking him simple questions. And then, like, he would just, he just, like, Ended the call and he was like, hey, uh, the connection's not good. Uh, just send me a test and I'll pass it and then we can get started. It's like, no. <laughs> what? Like, uh. you don't understand. Like, this This position is like you need to work with the client and they're going to be talking to you about what they need. So if we can't even, like, have a simple discussion, no matter how good you are technically, I I... I cannot risk working with you oh. it's too high cost as an employer right like you're, you've been an employer so it's like it's a really high cost when you bring on the wrong person right oh
1: yeah yeah it's crazy yeah yeah that is so right don't come across as weird and i know i think a lot of times you know you might be introvert you might not be used to talking to people you might you might be at the beginning of an interview stage i told this to one of my friends actually a couple months ago when he was looking for a job practice in front of mirror before the interview practice your answers right like you, a lot of engineers are used to being like socially, you know, more introverted, which kind of catalyzes us being more socially awkward a lot at a lot of times. So take the opportunity to practice speaking. That's so right. I, I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, it's like practice in front of the mirror. Hear yourself. Get your spouse or significant other and like practice with them. It's uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. I've had I've had my share of awkward interviewees who had a lot of potential unfortunately
0: actually the other thing too too like i think it's good that we kind of talk about stuff from the employer side because you need to also have that mindset like there is a lot of this kind of like okay here's what i'm looking for and then like how much do you match and then again it's like like you said am i willing to accept this candidate because there's no such thing as a perfect candidate i mean it's it happens as an employer side i'm sure you've met people like that and at the same time it's like you know you know you and i are both married right so when you're dating right and you find somebody that perfectly fits what you want and you're like okay holding the excitement you know just play it cool like, right, right sometimes you get those kind of candidates you're know, like okay i gotta like you know be not creepy and and, and not too excited to meet them etc but yeah you have to kind of play this okay well I can concede these things, but I can accept this one, right? So it's like, I think a lot of times it's like, well, I can ex- I can concede that they're not, they never worked with OTP before, but they have to be able to create a mixed project and and write some tests or whatever. I don't know, it depends on what, like you said, what's your company culture and what do you accept? And also like for me, I, w- I want to find a candidate that can write automated tests and has done automated testing. But to be honest, I've yet to meet one in Hong Kong that's just the market is so few people who are actually running automated tests they just test everything manually and i think that's part of the the culture of there so I have to lower that standard down if I met somebody like that automatically it's a big plus one and that will move them up the ladder that makes sense so I forget what why we're why we going in this direction but yeah yeah, there's definitely this kind of okay so yeah the employer side yeah you have to right. figure out hey what can I give up what do, what is my hard ground right okay this guy has to been able to have made some kind of program at some point in his life or else I can't take that risk because I need somebody who can get going as soon as possible right right, right. yeah yeah
1: totally oh I think one one other thing part of the employer side kind of- reminded me i think it's very important if if, an, if if a job if you're if you're applying for a job right and talking to the employer or the hiring person and they say that hey, here's, a, here's a tech assessment before we talk right make sure you ask them hey what's the salary before i do the tech, tech assessment right don't just like go in blind if they can't give you the salary ask them hey can you jump on a 10 minute call right like let me understand give me a range you don't have to like They'll say your evaluation might determine your salary. They should be able to give you a range. Uh, don't waste the time. Like if the employer isn't ready to invest time before you know you do an assessment for you, you should not invest your time either. It's it's for a lot of people. It's not for me, but I learned it lately. For a lot of people, job application is a very emotionally heavy process. When they spend an hour on a company, they start imagining themselves working there. Yeah. And, and it, you want to make sure if you have spent time doing an assessment for a company, they're taking you seriously at the very least. Right. So make sure you get get make sure you are at least able to get a range from them. Try to get something more from them, you know, to get a proof that they're invested. Try to get a call, at least with them before the tech assessment. Very important.
0: Yeah, that's something that we figured out also is is, uh, yeah, you, you need to, you can't just throw somebody a test, right? Like automatically on the employer side, you do want to see of guy code, right? And then you want to talk to them. But to be honest, like you need to motivate them because every job has a coding assessment, nearly. I Actually, I don't really do coding assessments anymore. I just kind of take a look at the code. We don't do either. I, yeah, I just say, just send me any code. Send me, actually, what I usually say is send me your most proud code. The code that you're most proud of. Any language, I don't care. And then I'll ask you questions about it because I've had people like, have you done Rails before? You probably have, right? Yeah. Yeah, so like this guy, he applied. It was Rails. Um, He he opened up the project. He did APIs for a company. There was a skip before filter for the verify. You know, there's a verify token thing. So you need to do a skip before filter for so that you don't so that you can use it as an API. So I said, "What does this line do?" He's like, "I don't know. Why are you asking me so many questions about like because it's like all I did was build do APIs there, right?" And I was like, "Okay, so what does this line do?" And that one you need to do all the time, and you should know what you're doing. If if you have to edit there and he's like he's like, Oh, I didn't memorize the entire library of Rails. So like why you asked me so in depth question. I was like, It's not really an in-depth question. Like if you're doing APIs only and in Rails, you should yeah. know what this line does, right? I'm actually surprised he asked you a question like that. I mean, it's okay
1: if you don't know, you know. It's okay to say I actually don't know, I uh, would love to know why what it does, right? That's how you deal with that in an interview instead of saying back
0: why why are you asking me a question like that that's also so weird that someone i I can't remember if he asked me maybe i got the question wrong, but for sure he was i know he was like i i know he did say oh i don't memorize the entire thing it's like you don't have to memorize me yeah maybe i I don't want to make him sound like he's a bad person but like i think my point of this whole entire of what i'm bringing this up Mm -hmm. about is like to me i'm asking questions that i think you should know and right. this is stuff that you wrote yourself. And if you did come back to me and say, you know what, I just copied and pasted it. This kind of person is not a good person to have, I think, as a developer, because like, can you imagine, like, I always give this example to people. Okay, say you have a kid, right? And you take your car to a mechanic and it's got some problem. They say they fixed it. They gave it back to you. And you ask them, you know, what you know, what was the problem? And they're like, well, I don't know. I just kicked the engine and started running again. And like, would you feel safe to put your kid in that car and drive? I mean, most likely not. And they would answer usually no. I never heard somebody say yes to that. And so I'd say, well, then how can you expect the client to have their business depend upon the software that you're making for them? But you don't know what that line does. Like you don't have to know, like, like, like you, you, like you said, happen, uh, we, you know, the compiler stuff, or the deep. You don't need to know all that, right? But you need to at least know, okay, this line is going to be skipping the validation tokens, so that way you can use it as an API. Like that's enough, I think, for that particular case. But if you're just like copying and pasting, you don't know what's going on, man. Like, how are you going to know if something breaks? How to fix it if you have no idea what some of these lines are doing? It's crazy. Yeah, I think
1: I think there's a balance, right? Like where you need someone to know. Obviously, you don't need someone to know everything and you need someone to know something. I think that's skip before action thing that you're saying. I might put it in a place where I might be okay hiring someone if they admit that they've copied and pasted it. You know, I just copied and pasted it. If they admit that, I might be like, you know what? Fine. Most of the stuff is... uh, If you're a junior engineer or mid level engineer, most of the stuff you're going to do, we're going to review anyway. Uh, I'm going to force you to add tests anyway. (laughs) So yeah, I might let this one go, but I see the point. There is a place. There there are certain things like that for me too, which are a requirement. There needs to be a certain level of understanding of what you're writing.
0: I think another thing to point out too is I also did a recent interview a couple of months ago. So he's a self-proclaimed Elixir senior Elixir developer, right? So what I do is I always you give me a weird look, and I'm not too sure why, but I'll, I'll tell you more. Senior
1: Elixir
0: developer, so he didn't have the title. <laughs> well, well, I mean, I don't know if he had the title or not. I just remember that in the CV, it was there. Well, the reason, okay, now the reason I'm saying self proclaimed maybe I'm just being a snooty asshole, but uh, the reason I'm saying this is because like, I asked him just stuff simple, like what's a gen server? What's OTP? He was unable to answer that. And his reply was, oh, I just learned enough Phoenix that I can get the work done. Well, then to me, you're not a senior Elixir developer. You're just... Junior. Uh, very junior. Developer. Junior and Elixir, but maybe not, maybe not junior as a developer. And that's fine, like you said. But the problem is like, I remember going... I just want to kind of touch back on what you said about like, okay, are you telling people enough about yourself? Well, at the same time, what you tell is that you're also setting up expectations. So right. if you come to an interview saying that you're a senior Elixir developer and you're only doing simple crud apps with Phoenix and that's all you know, and you're just getting along, you may want to adjust... Your adjust their expectations and not say you're a senior Elixir developer. You can just explain to them right away, hey, you know. But if you come to me saying you're a senior Elixir developer and all you've done is Phoenix, because of the way Phoenix is done, like you don't need to know a lot about OTP. But again, I had it, I just my questions because of what he presented himself before we even started the interview. That
1: makes sense. Yeah. I mean, setting, uh, yeah, over promising on the delivering interview interviews. Yeah. One of the worst feelings of an employer.
0: Yeah. But I think that's another thing too it's like, Uh, I think most developers, they don't really want to gloat about what they've done before. And also, my hardest part is like, I call it like typical Tuesday, right? It's like, okay, well, I've done stuff. I think I brought up an example before, like this guy was promoting himself. He's very good promoting himself about taking Google Translations from Google Doc and sticking them to an application. I did that like more than 10 years ago. And my client was like, hey, how come we should bring this guy on because he can do this? And I was like, listen, I did it like more than 10 years ago. Like, If you wanted that, we can do that. Like, But, oh, how come you didn't tell me? Well, I didn't know you wanted to know about that. And to me, like I said, typical Tuesday, we do this kind of stuff normally. So it's not like we're not making anything crazy. It's just, but it's like, well, how do I know what I should tell you and what I shouldn't tell you? That's another, like on the on the interviewee right. side, it's like, well, what should I say? What should I not say? It's really really difficult like both sides you know how do you and also like how do you let people know like uh, you know every you're not gonna tell everybody everything that you're doing for your backend. so like let's say you're integrating with google maps and this guy may be a google maps expert and that may be a core piece of your application or at least a, a good part of it and you don't display the people then people won't know to talk about their experience with that that's really tricky right
1: right right yeah it definitely is but i think that also brings up a good point about you know what again might be obvious to one of first is like definitely reading to the job description right before the interview and setting your introduction in a way that you're checking off requirements uh, of the job description, right? That's also something I actually remember mentioned to someone, but that's kind of aligned with what they're saying as an interviewee, I should make sure I sell myself best for this job, at least a description paper. And if, if, it, if the description is not accurate, that's on the company, right? But if the description is accurate and here are the 10 requirement bullet points, let me come up with like a script for my introduction that, not most of those bullet
0: points. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's tricky. Like, there's all the kind of question, like, how much of my card should I show to you? Right, right, right. It's always tricky, yep. yeah. Yeah, I mean, do you have any more to say about this uh, topic?
1: Um, no, I mean, we didn't really talk much about, uh, like, architecture, system design, like, question, but that would probably be in more senior category. Yeah, I think, I mean, yeah, I mean, if you have... You have worked with projects you've deployed, and like work with microservices or any kind of distributed systems. Only then you would have those questions, and that's probably like I would assume it's a small proportion of our audience. So maybe we can cover that some the time. Okay,
0: uh, then I think. If you don't have any kind of closing topic, or closing, uh, I wouldn't say arguments, it sounds like we're debating. Any more closing ideas? Maybe we can transition over to fix. Um, No, I think I'm on set. Cool. Actually, yeah, I quite like this topic, maybe because I talked a lot. That's why I like it so much. So that's another tip for you guys. So whichever side is, say, not only for the interviewee to want the employer to want you, but also if you want, if you find the perfect candidate and you want them to want you back, the best thing to do is let them talk as much as possible. Just a simple, like maybe it's a little bit of a kind of a trick, but at the same time, it's people, you know, need to like each other. And The more you talk, the more likely that you like that person who you're talking to, right? Yep. Yep. See, Adi's doing a good job letting me keep talking and he's just shaking his head. So he's a professional at this. So if you need help in how to do that, Adi's the guy.
2: Hey folks, if you love this podcast and would like to support the show, or if you wish you could listen without the sponsorship messages, then you're in luck. We're setting up new premium podcast feeds where you can get all of the episodes released after Christmas 2020 without the ads. Signing up will help us pay for editing and production, and you can go sign up at devchat.tv/slash premium.
0: I'm not going over to pics, so I can go with my pick first. I did have a specific thing, but now I don't. What was the thing? But in any case, so I'm I'm actually traveling at the moment, and I've been uh, taking lots of uh, pictures and stuff. I highly recommend if you guys are a traveler, pick up a GoPro. It's been Extremely fun to work with. Very small, waterproof. I love it. So GoPro uh, Hero 10 Black I've been using. It's a lot of fun. And uh, mostly, uh, because it's waterproof, you can take it basically anywhere. And it's very compact and small. So that's kind of like my pick. Uh, Adi, how about you? Yeah,
1: I'll, I'll have a job pick after this, but I'll show you, I'll have list. I guess I'm going to a job. I'll have the Shoot. No, yes, yeah. I've been playing with darts a lot lately and it's a great way to do something while thinking about a problem. It's been really helping me. I think I recommended punching bag at one of the <laughs> previous picks. That's also a good one, but you get tired very quickly. But if, if you want like a less tiring activity that you can do while thinking, which while also getting good at something, Uh darts are really good. So that's 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 my one of the non-tech picks. Oh, another one is a video game. Three just came out for people. PS5, i think a couple weeks ago i haven't played it yet but i had to have a couple of days off tomorrow and day after and i'm gonna play straight it's, you're a cat in a post-apocalyptic uh, world and it looks like it's an open world uh, rpg like but they just play as a cat so it's a very very cool game so give that a try and job whew, there is I have at least six companies uh that are hiring the prominent ones are pepsi and you know what? The details will be in the show notes. Yeah, I think I think mentioning them here will take me too long. Uh, but there'll be like six companies and seven companies in the show notes. So yeah, please apply there. But if you have any questions about hiring, finding an Elixir job, need help with anything, don't hesitate to reach out to me. Don't hesitate to email me. Some of you have already done that, but uh, I'm I'm willing to help more, more folks. So yeah, please feel free to reach out to me.
0: Okay, and with that, see you guys next time. Bye.